Hello, and welcome to another episode of My Hunting Journal. In this podcast, we talk about hunting, shooting, and the great outdoors. If you managed to listen to last episode, uh, you would have heard my change of plans for this fall season. And in those change of plans, I had mentioned that although it was not originally my intention, I decided to try my luck at archery hunting this year. And so with that in mind, my last couple of weeks and especially my last couple of days have been focused on getting ready and executing my first ever archery hunt. And now that I have one archery hunt under my belt, there are some things that I learned that I plan on doing different next time, and I want to share some of those lessons with you guys. I'd love to share these lessons so that I can come back in the future and listen to them as I prepare for future hunts, but also to try and spare the listeners of this podcast from making some of the same mistakes that I made. And so the focus of today's episode is going to be lessons from my first ever archery hunt. And as we're on the topic of lessons, uh, there was something that kind of hit me this weekend that I wanted to share on this podcast, and it was an analogy that was used at the church that we attended this weekend. We didn't attend the church that we normally do, that we're members of. Uh, Instead, we attended the church that uh, is pastored by a gentleman who was my wife's childhood pastor, where she grew up down in rural Montana. And this church really is a rural Montanan church, and there's a lot of people there who uh, are true Western hunters. And so one of the analogies that the pastor used in the sermon was related to backcountry hunting, and I really appreciated it and wanted to share it with the listeners of this podcast. Essentially, the gist of this analogy was a story of when the pastor was on a backcountry elk hunt and was riding out towards the trailhead at the end of the hunt, and it was pretty dark out, and so the pastor had turned a light on to be able to see the trail. And the guide that he was with said, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Turn that light off. And he's like, well, don't you want to be able to see the trail? And the guide says, no, the the horse can see the trail. You need to trust that the horse knows what's going on even when you don't. And of course, that analogy applies to a lot of areas of life where we feel confused as to why things play out the way that they do. But uh, as for my personal beliefs, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And whether you believe, like I do, that that's the sovereignty of God, or whether you believe that that's just a massive coincidence, uh, I, I think it's important to recognize that there are things that are out of our control, and there are things that happen for a reason, even when they happen differently than the way we want them to. And that's often the case when you're hunting the western landscapes. Oftentimes things do not unfold the way that you intend them to. And so uh, that's something to to consider, that oftentimes we need to be able to accept things that we don't understand and being able to accept being in the dark about certain things. And so, with that in mind, uh, I want to talk a little bit about my first ever archery hunt. So, my first archery hunt was the opening day for the 2023 season in Montana, which was September 2nd of 2023. And 
on September 2nd of 2023, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning with two of my good friends ready to go out and tackle a day. We had uh, gone and signed into a piece of block management land that we intended to hunt. Essentially what that is, is that's a piece of private land that uh, the private landowner is allowing public use for hunting on that land. And in this particular case, he required that you would sign in at a sign-in box. So we went and signed in, and we went up on this hillside where we knew that there were elk. And we began hiking up this hillside and glassing around and eventually found these elk and got onto them and figured out how to make a play on them. Now this is where my first big lesson came in. Uh, I've been doing a lot of research and watching videos and listening to podcasts about spot and stock hunting. And spot and stock hunting is essentially where you spot an animal and you figure out a plan to stalk that animal. And there is a big difference between spot and stock hunting and still hunting. Still hunting is where you really try to make yourself still and you try to become part of the landscape with the aim of being able to successfully harvest an animal without them knowing that you're there. Now, the mistake happened in the fact that the, the, the men that I was hunting with are relatively aggressive in their style of hunting. And so these men were pursuing these elk pretty hard, and I was going right up with them, and that was totally okay for the situation. We were able to hike in relatively quickly and then spot them at six or 700 yards, and we were able to hop from juniper bush to juniper bush until we were within about 200 yards or so of them. And at that point, we really had to figure out how to get in a little bit closer to be able to make a shot without tipping them off to our presence there. And so we continued our strategy of hopping from cover to cover uh, and got within about 100 yards of them. And the mistake that we made here was that we had not come up with a solid stock plan when we were back distant from the elk. And so by the time we had gotten about 100 yards away from them or so, we were still kind of talking about our plan and we were still discussing different bits and pieces of what our strategy was going to be moving forward. And so instead of being able to silently stalk our way up to these elk, we uh, were talking a little bit and we managed to actually alert one of the cows to our presence. And this cow stood up and watched us for a while. And eventually the herd decided that they didn't feel comfortable where they were. And so they began to mosey off. And as they did that, we kind of regrouped a little bit and tried to come up with a plan to continue pursuing these elk. And that turned into a really good experience of being able to uh, glass these elk up for a long time. And honestly, in those couple of hours that we were waiting for the elk to calm back down, uh, we weren't doing much actual hunting, but it was probably some of the most fun that I had throughout all day on Saturday. And the reason for that was just being able to watch the elk and see what they do and be able to learn more about how they react to different things. And so in watching these elk, we had a pretty good idea that they were intending on going to a watering hole for their next place. And we figured if we get over the ridge to the far side, we would be able to get around 
and beat them to this watering hole. And uh, in this case, we had the wind in our favor. And that was another lesson that I learned from this hunt was how important it is to play the wind, keep the wind in your favor, make sure that it is not dragging your scent towards the elk because the elk will smell you before they see you if you have bad wind. And so no matter how stealthy you're being, if you have bad wind, your hunt is doomed to fail before it even begins. So we played the wind, we got on the other side of the ridge, and we got into this watering hole. And uh, this is where my next mistake happened, which is also a lesson learned. And that lesson really is to trust your gut. Uh, the, the guy who uh, lived closest to this spot was telling us that he's been watching these elk, and he felt pretty confident that they were going to come in at the bottom of this drainage. And my gut was telling me the bottom of this drainage was about 40 yards. That would be a really comfortable shot. I can make a 40-yard shot pretty comfortably. But my gut was telling me that I should move in a little bit closer in case they come in side-hilling the other side of the drainage. And unfortunately, that's exactly what they did. They came in at the bottom of the drainage, but immediately came up onto the far side. And I was ranging them the whole time that they were coming in. And I got to watch the whole herd of elk come in at about 65 to 70 yards. The closest that I was ever able to range one was at 65, but most of them were hanging out around 70 to 80 yards away, which was just too far for me to feel confident in taking a shot. So moving forward, we uh, were not able to capitalize on that opportunity, and we decided to pull out and let the elk regroup for a couple of hours, and we ourselves would regroup for a couple of hours. And this was another great lesson learned on opening day that we were able to uh, pull out and kind of understand that we had lost that opportunity in that moment. And so rather than blowing the elk out of the canyon by bumping them too hard, we were able to pull out and uh, regroup a little bit, let the elk calm down and go back later that evening. And when we went back later that evening, we were able to make one final play at these elk in which we were able to continue that spot and stock method of hunting and get into somewhere about 100 to 120 yards of them before they had noticed us. And at this point, the elk were feeling pressured, and that stock was probably doomed to fail from the start. But the reality is, for us, it was worth just putting in that one last effort to try and fill a tag and try to be successful. So... The important takeaways from this hunt are to come up with a plan with your hunting buddies before you ever try to execute that plan. Don't go into a group of animals thinking that you'll be able to play it by ear and uh, play by the fly. Sometimes you'll be able to do that, and sometimes you're going to need to do that. Oftentimes when you have a plan, that plan is going to fall apart before you get the chance to execute it. But it is important to have a plan in the first place, so that if things go according to plan, there doesn't need to be any more communication than necessary, and everybody is on the same page about it. The other key takeaways are that you can't glass too much. When you're out in the western landscapes, animals can be a long ways away, and so it's important to find where they're at, and to find what cover is near them, and to figure out the best way to approach them without alerting them of your presence. This would have been impossible if we didn't have good quality binoculars to find these animals. 
And if we didn't take the time necessary to sit back and watch them through the binoculars, look at the routes that we could take to get up close to these animals, and actually spend the time glassing to come up with a good plan. The final takeaway that I had from this hunt was to play the wind when hunting elk. Now, if you don't know already, at most sporting goods stores, you could buy a little wind checker bottle. Some people call it a puffer bottle. And it's essentially just a little spray bottle with a white powder in it that you can spray up into the air and the wind will carry that powder whichever way the wind is blowing. So it's a great visual reference to check the wind. And this is an, an essential tool for a western hunter who wants to be able to hunt these wide open landscapes and be able to get in close to animals. Uh, playing the wind is a really, really important thing. And a lot of times, especially in the west where you have canyons and draws and mountains that affect the wind in different ways, these winds can change on a dime. And just like I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, uh, sometimes we don't always know why things happen. And so sometimes you might be just 30 yards away from a huge animal. You're really excited to finally have a chance to get a shot. And then the wind shifts and they smell you and they are out of there. And that sometimes can be some of the most frustrating experiences when you're out hunting. But learning to accept those experiences and learning to know and trust that everything that happens out in the backcountry is happening for a reason is the best thing that you can do to give yourself confidence in those situations and reassurance that even if you didn't do anything wrong, it was still worthwhile to make the play on that animal, even if you didn't get to harvest it, even if you didn't get to actually connect. And so at the end of this opening day, we had all agreed, the three of us that were out hunting together, that we had a successful day. Even though we did not fill a tag that day, we did have three encounters with elk, and that's a lot more than other people can say for their opening days. And so we feel extremely blessed to be able to have gotten so close to such beautiful and majestic animals. And we're excited to continue to get out there and chase elk more. Uh, as for me personally, I did manage to fill a tag with my, bow, with my bow this year, albeit it was a deer tag. And I'll tell the story for that hunt next week. So tune back in next week to hear about my first successful archery harvest. In the meantime, I really appreciate you guys listening to these episodes. And if you want to get a hold of me, please reach out at myhuntingjournalpodcast at gmail.com or check out my Instagram at my underscore hunting underscore journal. These are all down in the show notes below. So check those out. Thanks a lot and God bless.